and of the Holy Spirit, now and always and here. Everybody worries about their wedding day, don't they? They want their weddings to be just perfect. And, and uh, I'm not nearly as worried about how your wedding went. What I'm concerned with today is how are your marriages going? Um, and, and here's some good news for you today. If you are married, God wants to take your marriage to an H&L. If you are engaged... God wants you to walk through the door of marriage and He wants to take your relationship to an HNL. God is in, in interested in all kinds of relationships and He wants to take them to HNL. You want, you want to know what HNL is? It's a whole nother level. Say that with me. Whole nother level. Whole nother level. Now, don't bother going to Webster's Dictionary for this, you've got to go to UrbanDictionary.com. And by the way, you need to be careful going there because there's some stuff you don't want to see there because look how it describes itself. A veritable cornucopia of streetwise lingo posted and defined by its readers. With a description like that, you know it's got to be good, all right? Well, here it is. H&L, here's the description, is best said when a person or event does something wonderfully unheard slash unseen of or does something better than what was previously done. It's usually preceded by took it to the whole nother level. Kind of like my outfit today, whole nother level, right? Now, we want to talk about how we're going to close the door on divorce and walk through the door to marital satisfaction. How does one do that? How do you slam that divorce door shut? And how do you open this marriage fulfillment thing and do it God's way so that you reach a relationship that is on a whole nother level? That's what we're going to talk about. Now, we've said that our theme verse for this whole series has been John 10, 9. Jesus says, I am the door and the person who enters through me will be saved and will be able to come in and go out and find pasture. 
So what God is saying, what Jesus is saying here is, if you want to have a life that's, that's better than the ordinary life, Jesus called it the abundant life. You want to have that life, he says, you have to come through him. If you remember, way back when we started this series, we talked about Jesus, uh, we talked about if this were a door to a church, we talked about the different churches in town, people don't know what's behind there. So what's got to happen is, very first week, we said that we have to, those of us who are Christ followers, by the way, a lot of y'all sitting in different places today, you're just trying to jack me up, aren't you? I noticed that. Everybody's moving around. H&L, taking it to a whole other level. Now, we said that what people have, their view of church is not very high. And the reason is we've been giving out sorry samples of the Savior. If we want people to come into the church, we've got to walk through this door, be fed by the bread of life, take those samples of the bread of life out to a desperately needful world who needs to know who Christ is, who needs to know how to do life we are the ones who are supposed to take that samples outside the church and spread those around. And then we said the next week that Jesus very literally is the door to the kingdom of heaven. Jesus uh, was the substitutionary atonement. This was on Easter Sunday. And we said the core idea of Christianity is that Jesus, being this door, he says, I will be the substitute. I will be the innocent third party who pays the price for guilty sinners. And any guilty sinner who walks through this door of Jesus Christ gets to go free. And we said that Christianity is the only world religion that the core idea is the substitutionary atonement thing. And then the next week we talked about debt, slamming the door on debt. And we said that if you want to know God's, uh, God's principles, that he tells you how to get to financial freedom. We said that if debt is this cliff, and many of us are hanging on the cliff, and it's a bottomless pit, and we're about to fall in, we said the only smart thing to do is to follow God's path to financial freedom and get as far away from that debt cliff as possible, right? Doesn't that make sense? The further you are from debt, the less stress there is in your marriage, in any relationship in life. And then last week we talked about Jesus is the door to a positive attitude. Positivity versus negativity. And we said this, this world has plenty of negativity in it. We, we remember we defined that, that a, a positive attitude is a God-given outlook that leads to a God-chosen outcome. And the only way you get that perspective on life is to walk through the door of Jesus Christ. He says, I'm the door. I'm the key to the life that you've always wanted. And so if you want God's perspective on things, on how to do life, on how to do debt, uh, how to get out of debt, how to do finances, and even marriage, then you've got to go through the door and do things God's way. These, these are not suggestions in God's word. God is your creator and he has this great life for you, but he only promises that great life if you obey him. Jesus over and over said that love equals obedience. If you're disobeying, you are proving by your actions that you do not love Christ. So today, we're going to talk about marriage. And this is a big, big deal. Because here's what I found out about our country. Here are the statistics in our country. There's going to be over 2 million marriages this year. And 50% of the marriages are going to end in divorce. First marriages. Second marriages, 67% end up in divorce. Third marriages, 74% end up in divorce. What's it tell you? Divorce is not the answer. Now, there are certain situations, and, and we'll talk about that on a case-by-case -case basis. I never tell folks to stay in a situation where there's danger. I never tell women to stay any place that they are being physically abused or that puts their kids in, in danger through drug, drug use. Drug use. Drug use or anything like that. Janie's the only one in danger of that and my children. Drug use. Um, but I, 
But most of the time, when we walk through that door of divorce, all we're doing is carrying all of our baggage with us to the new relationship, and then that piles up and we get bigger and worse at relationships because we're further and further away from what God wants us to do. And it's so... What kills me is the same people that are running to the altar to get a marriage. After sometimes weeks, months, maybe a few years, they're running through the door of divorce. And it does not have to be that way, but we've got to figure out how to do marriage God's way. Well, first thing that you need to know, how do you spell marriage? W-O-R-K. We have any newlyweds here? All right. But, but, yeah, Jeff, no, you're not a newlywed, dude. You've been married long enough. It's not your age. It's not your physical age. Okay. Um, when you're a newly, or when you're engaged or when you're newly married, do you ever think that, that marriage is going to be work? Our love will carry us through. Come talk to me when you've been married five, ten years, when you start having kids, when you build a house or build a church or do any of those types. Come talk to me then because if you've not worked on your marriage over that course of time, you will be a statistic. You'll be talking about recovering from a failed relationship because you have not figured out how to do marriage God's way. You have not figured out that marriage is work. We work so hard to get married, and once we get married, a lot of us stop working. We'll start working on something else, like our jobs. We'll focus on our careers, or we'll focus on on our children, or decorating the house, or our gardens, or everything. We'll work at all kinds of things except marriage, the foundation of marriage. And what what I want you to think about is, what if you treated your job like you treat your spouse? Okay, some of you are single, so you think about your parents. What if your parents treated their jobs like they did their spouses? What if they show up to work one day in their underwear? Hey, honey, where's the remote? How impressed is the boss or the customers going to be? Not very. So what I'm saying is it takes work to have a date night with your spouse. It takes work to spend quality time with your children. It takes work to have communication, meaningful communication, so that when you get 5, 10, 15 years down the road, Janie and I are coming up on 19 years of marriage, when you get there, you still like each other. There's no one I would rather hang out with than Janie. I love my children, but they're going to leave. No, they're leaving. It's in the contract. Signed, sealed, in blood. They are leaving. I love my kids and I love to do things with my kids. But I will not sacrifice my relationship with my highest human being on on, uh, earth. Well, I was thinking of something else, but it it lost me. By the way, Jeff said he had to uh, adjust the lights because with the white shirt and my bald head, I was just a blur up here. So maybe I won't wear white shirts anymore. I won't sacrifice my relationship with Janie for anybody else. For you, for my kids... Or anyone else. I'm going to work at it. At least until we reach that 50th anniversary. Because that's what I told her. I'll give you 50 years. And we renegotiate. So I'm going to work hard for 50 years. And then I'm going to retire. No, not really. Now, if you want to be a great marriage partner, then you've got to work. And here's some things that you have to work on. Number one, you've got to work on your relationship with Christ. It all begins there. 
It's about the door because only when Christ lives through me can I love Janie the way she was designed by God to be loved. The reason so many of you are empty is because you have been putting all of your faith and trust in a human being who can't possibly love you like God does. It's only as I draw close to Christ that, that I begin to love Janie the way she needs to be loved. And, and men, we've got to work on meaningful communication, romance. Those things do not come naturally to me. But if Janie means anything to me, I will work on that. And ladies, let's just boil it down. You got to work on the physical stuff and on sex. Don't act like it repulses you. That's a bad thing for your husband. And men, you should be very careful when you respond in a sermon because you will be calling me for an appointment this week. Um, (laughs) Here's the problem that we do as humans. We like to take simple things and make them complex. Have you noticed that? Doesn't matter what it is. Let's take something simple. Let's make it complex. For example, if you go to Amazon, I did this, and type in marriage, you know how many books you'll get on marriage? 94,688. What can they all be saying? It's not that hard. Marriage is not that hard to understand. Spell out the word work, W-O-R-K, then get off your butt and serve your spouse and you'll have a great marriage. It's not that hard. Books on diet and exercise. There are 54,138 books on diet. There are 80,910 on exercise. Too many calories, too little calorie burn equals fat. There's not that many exercises. It's not that difficult, but we make it difficult. If you type in the word spiritual, because that's the catch word nowadays is spiritual. Not Christian, not religious, not any of that. I'm spiritual. I'm in touch with my spirit. Well, you type that in 83,957 books on spirituality. We take something as simple as a relationship with Jesus Christ, and we make it so complex. You do not have to study Greek and Hebrew and go to seminary to grow spiritually. What you have to do, if you want to grow, here's how simple it is. You walk through the door and you establish a relationship with Jesus Christ. You read His Word. You gather with other Christians in fellowship like this and in small groups. You pray... And then you get off your rear and you serve. And as you begin to get outside of yourself and serve someone else, you become like Jesus Christ. It happens without you knowing it. Everybody else sees it and they go, man, I can see a difference in you. It's not that hard. But we try to make it so stinking hard. Marriage is not that complex. It's so hard. It's just so complex. It's really about work. When Janie and I put each other first... And we follow Jesus Christ and we submit to Him. Our marriage sizzles. I'm telling you. When I do what I'm supposed to, she doesn't need a new spouse. She has a new spouse. Because I become a different person when I follow Christ and when I follow my own desires. And she's a totally different person when she follows Christ than when she follows her own desires. Does that make sense to anyone? Okay. I've wasted the first 30 minutes. Marriage starts out as this ideal, and then it becomes an ordeal, and then, then we're looking for a new deal, right? That's what happens often. It doesn't have to be that way. So if you, and I'm going to explain this more in just a second, if you want to be the type of spouse you need to be, 
You work on your relationship with Christ. Second thing, work to keep your vows current. How many of you remember your vows? If you've not got a video of it, you probably don't have a stinking clue what you said on that day. I remember it was like an out-of-body experience. You know, I come out and, and I actually sang to Janie and, and my, my, uh, the, the transmitter for my microphone actually fell out and was swinging like a pendulum like this and all the teenagers are going, <laughs> you know, as Janie's walking down the aisle. I mean, I remember that, but I don't remember a lot about the vows. I want to challenge you to figure out what your vows were. And then if you want your marriage to sizzle, try saying those vows to your spouse at least once a month over the next six months and do what you said. Because it's real simple what we said, what we promised before God and what we promised before all of our friends and family. We promised it and some of them are not, some of us are not living up to those promises. Check out these vows. Andrew placed the ring on Melissa's hand and repeat after me. I, Andrew Paul Daniel Engstrom. I'm not putting it on the wrong way. I, Andrew Paul Daniel Engstrom. I, Andrew Paul Daniel Engstrom. Do take Melissa Renee Warren. Do take Melissa Renee Warren. To be my lawfully wedded wife. To be my waff lawfully. <laughs> and pancakey. <laughs> I've been scared of this all my life. <laughs> Just give her a second. It's okay, folks. I've seen this before. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, Andrew Paul. <laughs> Man and wife. <laughs> if you've seen Princess Bride, say man and wife. That's the last thing he said there. It's one of my favorite parts. That get it over with. Say man and wife. It, we've got to remember um, what we promised to do and start doing that. If you want your your marriage to move from where it is, which is usually in a rut, to where God wants it to be, then then remember what you promised and start doing what you promised. The, the next thing is you've got to work on is focusing on the flame. Focusing on the flame. <clears throat> Ephesians 5.21 says, Yield to obey each other because you respect Christ. Now, I want you to look at that verse, and just for a minute, I want you to cross out the word obey, and don't get, get all caught up in that, that word. Let me, let me explain this to you. You've probably heard the word submit. Well, here, I, I chose this one because it talks about yield. You know, if you, if you go out somewhere and you have a yield sign, you know that you're supposed to yield the right of way to other traffic. Now, it's actually easier to determine who is at fault at a yield sign in a traffic accident than it would be in a stop sign or a stoplight. Because in a stop sign, stoplight, you've got issues. Did you stop? If it's a stoplight, was it green when you came through? All of those things. Did you yield the right of way? All of that. But in, in a 
yield sign, it's very obvious. If, if there's a wreck, when there's a yield sign, and if you were on the side that had the yield sign, you are guilty because it's obvious, no matter what the other circumstances were, you did not yield, you caused the accident. Most people that are coming to me for marriage counseling, this one issue would, would resolve 90% of what's going on in their marriages. It's obvious that one or both of them have not yielded to Christ. They're not yielding to one another because they're being horses rear ends and they refuse to yield because they're infants in, a, in, a, in an adult relationship. Yielding means, I think about Janie. What does Janie need? What does, I'm not obeying her, but I'm doing what's best for her. When I love her like Christ loves the church, then submission or yielding to me is not an issue, men. Men, that's first. Yield to each other because we respect Christ. Now look what Ephesians 5.25 says. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. And I underlined the key words there for you. Lots of men want to quote verse 22. You know what verse 22 says is? I bet some of you know it. Come on, Zach, you know it. Tell me what it says. Verse 22. But, but who submit? Wives. Dwayne knows that one. Wives, submit to your husbands. It's in the Bible. But we forget that right before that in verse 21, it says we're supposed to submit to one another. We're supposed to yield to one another. Men want to quote that verse. Submit, woman. But look what this says. Love your wives as Christ loved the church. Do you realize in this passage Paul wrote twice as many words to men as he did to women? You know why? It's because we're stupid. When it comes to relationships, men are stupid. I'm one of them. Don't expect me to read your mind. I'm fairly intelligent. I did well in school. I can't read any woman's mind. Give me a road map, I'll get you anywhere. I mean, even GPS, I always print off a map just to make sure TomTom is correct. Because TomTom's led me to some weird places. I put in Walmart one time in Dallas and I went, dude, I'm calling Janie going, man, you ought to see where Tom Tom's got me today. Go around. And then when I get to Walmart, it's one of those old hypermarts. If you've not ever been in the big city, you don't know what a hypermart is. That was before Walmart supercenters. Hypermart was where they combined the, the groceries and the other stuff. So there's this hypermart, but it's, it's gone. It's been gone for years. And I'm like in the middle of nowhere and I'm going, holy cow, Lord, I need some God positioning system, not some global. Satellite positioning system. So if you want to, uh, if you want to know what God says, you got to go to His Word. His Word says, "Love your wives as Christ loved the church." Well, let's talk about that four-letter word, love. What does it mean? There are three types of love that marriages are built on. Some of you have heard this in church um, before, but the first is agape love. Here are the two things you need to know about agape love. One is it's unconditional, and it's supernatural. Now, let me explain some of this to you. Agape is represented by this rather large log I have here. Agape says, because I am a sinner, because it's unconditional, because it is supernatural, it is bigger than anything I have to offer to my wife. I cannot offer her agape love apart from the door to Jesus Christ. So, who in their right mind would try to start a fire with this big honking log? 
You take your little aim and flame. And what's everybody going to say to you? You some kind of idiot. Starting a fire like that. But what I want you to realize is the reason marriages are in trouble today is because we're not doing marriage God's way. We're not doing love God's way. If you'll work on your relationship with Christ, get the agape thing right before you ever get into a marriage relationship. Oh my goodness, you're going to have a marriage everybody else wishes they had. You start with agape love. It's that big log. And when that thing is burning, anything in your life that hits you is not going to be too big for you. You think about that log. If, if we had a fire pit right here in the middle of this room and we were to light that log, get that log burning brightly, would it cause enough heat to, to, to warm up the entire room? You better believe it. And it would last for days if you think of agape love as the type of love that impacts not just you and your spouse, but your children. Future generations will still be talking about the type of love you had for them if you start with that agape love that is supernatural and unconditional. Second type of love. Phileo. You've heard of Philadelphia? Philadelphia is the city of what? Brotherly love. This is the companionship thing. It's the friendship thing. It's recreational companionship. One of us doing things with the other one just because we like the other person. You think uh, you can think of, of phileo love like these these nice size logs here. If you get these suckers going, you have a pretty decent fire, don't you? And all you have to do is go back and tend that fire every now and then, turn the log over, maybe reposition them, and and that's a pretty nice fire. If you think of phileo, doing things because we like each other, hanging out together. I love doing stuff with Janie. Love going on cruises with Janie. I love just doing stuff with Janie. That's the, we like to do things together and it keeps the flame in our relationship alive. And there's a lot of marriages that have lasted a lifetime simply on this companionship, friendship, respect type love. They've lasted the test of time just on that. But imagine if you combine that with agape love, which is unconditional. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you, which is what most of us promised at the altar. And then when things got hard, we left and we forsook. But if we, if we combine those two, do you see what, how attractive a relationship that is? That's the phileo type. There's a third kind and it's eros. This is passion and feelings. Dude, y'all see these things? They're, they're kind of hollow. If we were building a fire, what would we call this stuff? Kindling. Because... If you're going to build it, certainly if you're going to get this sucker going, you better have a lot of kindling. You better get some stuff like this going. And then you're going to try to get that burning. That's the way the world says to do it. But I'm saying it's just the opposite. You work on your relationship with Christ first. Then you do the, the things uh, together with someone as, as a friend, as a companion. And then allow God to stir inside you the, the eros feelings. Because that's where we get erotic. That's where we get all of this stuff. And, and you do it that way, you'll have a marriage that will last a lifetime. But what do people do? People start here. Have you noticed what, what they'll say? Movies. Oh, that girl's sexy. That guy's sexy. That car is sexy. Everything can't be sexy. 
But what do people do? They start with the eros. They start with the hot connection. And it burns for two seconds and then they're done. And they're looking for another hot connection. And they become addicted to these hot connections that never fulfill you. And they'll wake up 10, 15, 20 years down the road having had God knows how many relationships that never fulfill and they're empty and they will never ever get to this type of relationship that God desires for them to have because they've built it all on eros. It's kindling. You ever wonder why relationships in Hollywood end so quickly? It's kindling. You wonder why one night stands never lead anywhere permanent? It's kindling. Now, I'm saying you got to have some connection. I understand that. When I first saw Janie, I thought she was really cute. Beautiful blue eyes, and she was jailbait. She was much too young, so I wouldn't even go out with her. She pursued me for years. She got into college, sent me a picture. Smartest thing she ever did to catch my eye. She sent me a picture with her graduation announcement, and I was like, wow. And then I went to see her, and I was like, dude. And we dated for a long time, on and off. We broke up a couple of times because I was really trying to figure out what God wanted me to do. And when I finally got to the point that I said, God, I'm sick of trying to do relationships this way with kindling. I don't want to do it. I want to do relationships your way. And three hours away, Janie was on a college campus, walking across a college campus, and she said, we did not know this at the same time. She said, God, I am sick of doing relationships your way. We didn't know about this kindling thing. She said, I am sick of doing it, uh, not your way, sick of doing it without you. I'm sick of doing it my way, and I want to do only your way. Within a week, God brought about these circumstances that brought us back together. Within four months of that getting back together, we were engaged. Another six months, we were married after knowing each other well over seven years. Now, here's the thing. I have no problem with the connection. I like my wife. She looks good. I like kissing my wife. I like making love to my wife. Sorry, children, you have to hear that. But it's a reality. I love my wife. But I shudder to think where we would be if I had done marriage my way. If she had done marriage her way instead of God's way. And I pray like crazy for my children that they will not do marriage the way that, that the world says to do it which is kindling. It does not last. Now we've got to start and do things God's way and quit acting like they're suggestions and then we'll have the marriages that we, that we want and that our children desperately need. Do you know, men, the best thing you can do for your children is love your wife? More than spending individual time with them, if you'll love their wife, your wife like Christ loved the church... God will do some amazing things in your children and protect them from the types of marriages you don't want them to have. Because their poor marriages aren't just going to affect them. They affect you, right? This is serious stuff. I read about this, this dude went fishing. And anytime I got a fishing story, I have to read it. And so he went fishing. He's in the boat with, his, with uh, some friends and, and his two sons. And, and they're out on this lake, and they see an alligator floating over there. And this guy's been fishing a lot. So he, he chunks a lure out there. He goes, watch this. And he chunks the lure out, and, and the alligator, sure enough, takes it. And he sucks on it a couple of minutes and spits it out. And so the dude says, watch, I'll do it again. So he does it again, just does it again. Well, he decides he wants to try to catch this alligator. So he throws it out there. He pulls off some line, lets the alligator 
swallow it and the alligator's kind of messing around. He gives it lots of time and then he sets the hook and man, that alligator goes nuts and he starts reeling, reeling. Finally, the alligator gets a little tired and comes up to the side of the boat. And uh, he said he takes out this paddle, he hands his fishing rod over to his buddy and he takes out his paddle and starts beating the snot out of the alligator. And he said about the third hit, the alligator came alive and jumped straight up in the air, went straight down to the bottom, snapped his brand new fishing rod from Bass Pro Shops. And so they were all laughing about that. They're kind of shocked about this whole deal. And about that time they look up and here comes the alligator. He floats to the surface kind of sideways and goes swimming off. And the dude said, that must be a male alligator to be so stupid to take the same bait over and over and over again. Got to be male to be that dumb. Guys, You know why Paul wrote twice as many words to men as he did to women? Because we're stupid when it comes to relationships. And I'm available right after the services today to help you understand how to love your wife like Christ loved the church. You just come on up. Marriage is awesome if it's done God's way. Now, our world says that marriage is emotional and uncontrollable. And, and uh, by the way, y'all like what I'm wearing today? Jeff was upset because I wore tennis shoes, but I wasn't going with dress shoes. Well, see, what happened today was I was walking by my, my closet. I had fully intended to get my Hawaiian shirt on and do what I normally do, and I tripped. <laughs> and I got up, and this is what I had on. I fell into this shirt and this tie. And I looked at myself and I said, Dang, you look good. <laughs> Y'all don't believe a word of that, do you? That's what our world says about love. Just walking along life and I tripped and I fell into love. And I got up and I was clothed with love and it's hot. That's about the dumbest thing you've ever heard, isn't it? Love is a decision. Love is a commitment. Best book I ever read by Gary Smalley is entitled Love is a Decision. And I remember reading that long before Janie and I got back together, long before <laughs> my mom thought I was going to get married before I got out of high school because I was dating this girl. And I was like, I was going to college. I wasn't going to get married. Then mom was all worried that I was going to get married before I got out of college. And I'm like, I have goals. I want to get out of college. I'm going to be educated before... <laughs> I'm still a dipstick, but I was going to be an educated dipstick before I got married. And then I get out of college and I don't get married and mom starts worrying I'm never going to get married. I had watched a lot of marriages fall apart. I had watched a lot of marriages that were existing but were not thriving. And I said, I don't want to be one of those. I desperately don't want to be in a dead marriage and the only reason I'm hanging on is because... I got no other place to go. I didn't want one of those. So I watched and I prayed and I read and I studied because I wanted to do marriage God's way. And I can tell you it's worth it. It's worth it having a, a wife that loves me unconditionally because I don't get it. I don't understand how anybody could love me unconditionally because I'm a punk. I don't mean to be, but it is in every fiber of my being to be a punk. 
And if you ever see me loving my wife like Christ loved the church, it's supernatural. It's not natural. And if you ever see me loving my kids like they're supposed to be loved, it's supernatural. It is not me. The only way I have it is because Christ lives in me. I walked through the door and I gave my life to Christ and I said, I'm going to do life your way. And when it comes, actually when it comes to a point that I have to make a choice about whether I go my way or God's way, if I choose to go my way, because I do, God messes me up. When I'm reading my Bible, God messes me up. The other day, something happened and, and I got kind of ticked off at Janie and she didn't even know it. And, and we were gone for several hours, different places. And, and that night I was sitting there and my Bible's right there by my chair. Dead gummit. That's where I read my Bible most of the time. And, and it's like it was just crawling up, whispering to me. When are you going to talk to her? When are you going to talk to her? You're talking about marriage this Sunday. When are you going to talk to her? And so I said, babe, I, I need to ask you to forgive me. She goes, about what? So I told her and she busted out laughing because what I assumed, she did, she did one of those, you know, nonverbal communication things. What she said to me, what I understood was, you're an idiot. That's what I heard. You know, she never said those words, but she went and rolled her eyes. And I thought, she thought one thing. And I thought she said, you're an idiot. Just ticked me off. I am not an idiot. And I'll show you I'm not an idiot. Well, when she told me what she was thinking, it was so funny. We both laughed. And I said, I'm so sorry. Will you forgive me? She goes, yeah, I didn't even know. Did she laugh? She said, that's the funniest thing that you thought I meant this. And I thought you meant this. And we were totally not communicating. And that's where we, that's where I got messed up. And it drew me closer to her when I found out that what I thought she was thinking wasn't what she was thinking at all. The Bible tells us that if we will use God's word as a filter. In Philippians 4, it says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely of good repute, if there's anything excellent and anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. If I would have looked at that situation, which God made me do later, look at the situation and say, Is it true that Janie's going to call you an idiot? At least not verbally. But um, is it true that she... No. Is it honorable that you were thinking bad thoughts about her? No. Is it right that you were acting like an idiot? No. None of that. If I, would, if I would use God's word as a filter, it would change my life. Anybody like Kentucky Fried Chicken? How many of you are original? I'm original. It's greasy. It's good. How many extra crispy? That has nothing to do with anything except this. I've got a KFC verse for you right here. Ephesians 4.32. Be kind and loving to each other and forgive each other just as God forgave you in Christ. I underlined them so you wouldn't miss them. You see them? Kind, forgive Christ. When Janie and I first got married, because I was so clueless about relationships, I prayed this verse every day and I said, God, teach me to be kind to this woman who's, who's incredible and loves me. Teach me to be compassionate, t- tender-hearted, forgiving, because that was not in my family lineage. That was not in my heritage. You didn't forgive. You didn't forget. Kindness, pff, please. It was so opposite. I prayed it over and over. Because, see, kindness and forgiveness come only through the door of Jesus Christ. Only as you open up your heart and he begins to weed out all that junk from your past does he enable you to be kind to another human being, to be compassionate, to forgive. Kindness and forgiveness come from Christ. And I think some of you desperately need some kindness and some forgiveness in your relationships.